Hey, podcast listeners. This is a discussion between myself, TK Coleman, Steve Patterson, and Derek McGill, all of whom have been previous guests, TK, several times on this podcast. This is a discussion about Bitcoin. And we started flipping on the camera because we were always talking about this stuff privately, flipping on the camera and every couple of weeks doing these discussions just on Zoom and posting them up to YouTube for fun. And uh, they actually got a lot of traction, got a lot of views, a lot of interest. Several people asked me to put it in podcast format. Rather than spin up a new podcast, I decided to just post them right here on the feed for the uh, recently dormant Isaac Morehouse podcast. So what follows is a completely unedited, unfiltered discussion. You can also find it on YouTube if you want to see our wonderful faces between me, Steve Patterson, Derek McGill, TK Coleman on Bitcoin and Bitcoin related stuff. If you're not at all interested or familiar with crypto, there's some stuff that might be a little technical or a little inside baseball that might go over your head. But if I do say so, it's a pretty fun discussion anyway, and you might learn some things. Thanks. We are live, gentlemen. Uh, I think I'm not ready to give this channel an official name yet, but Triple B, the big block Bitcoin. We already got one. What's that? The four numpties. The four numpties. I thought, yeah, I was the the numpties. Yeah, someone in the comments called us uh, a bunch of numpties, and I had no idea what that was. Okay. Like an idiot or a stupid person. Who who is the I got worms guy, though? Because I feel like they would have had to know that that's that's a joke. Like you, you accused me of being him. Yeah, well, because you know you're always quoting Dumb and Dumber, and that I, I got worms is from Dumb and Dumber. I know so I that you were you were trying to stir up trouble in the comment section with all your sock puppet accounts. You know? No, I'm not Greg Maxwell. You know what? Um, confession time. I'm going to confess on behalf of TK Coleman because he won't do it himself. <laughs> Way back, are you going to confess on behalf? Of way, me? way back in the early days of the internet, as Craig would say, way back in the nineties, uh, TK. This we wasn't the nineties, I think. Forum. It was like a, I don't know, like a theology debating forum or something. And TK made some argument, and some guy named Raging B was just going at TK, and he came on, and he's like. You have no idea how dumb you sound. I am a high school champion debater two times. <laughs> I can tell you that your logic is flawed. Anyone, because TK used the word tautology. Anyone who uses the phrase tautology is obviously a moron who's making up stuff. And he, this guy was going on and on. So TK, like we had, we had been monitoring this and he goes, hey, go back and the next day, go back and check that forum and, and tell me what you think. So I go and I read Raging B and then I read some guy that keeps fighting with Raging B underneath TK's original comment, some guy named J-Rock, and he keeps <laughs> defending TK. And I'm like, yeah, that J-Rock guy is a fan of yours. And he's like, yeah, what'd you think of his arguments? I'm like, I mean, they're pretty <laughs> he's like, I'm like, wait a minute, is that you? And he's like, uh-huh. And I'm like, TK, come on, man. Come on, Cardinal Sin. You can't, back then it didn't have a name. It wasn't called Sock Puppetry. At least I didn't know, know about it. Well, I would appreciate if one of you actually called us numpties because I read that word and I was like, oh my gosh, that is immediately being added to my vocabulary. Numpty is a brilliant term. <laughs> and then we could take that song, The Humpty Dance, and call it The Numpty Dance instead. The, the, the Humpty Numpties? Yeah, it could be hey, our... The, could the be best our... part about the, the guy that called us the four numpties 
is that he has no other comments or activity on YouTube. Yeah, it's like he Except just comments on our stuff. It's because it's Derek. He <laughs> just, Derek just made it up. I know it. It's, well, it's not even Bitcoin videos or BCH, BSV videos. It's just these particular videos. You know, what's amazing is I, I've had a rule since the day I first discovered YouTube. Never read the comments in YouTube especially if it's a video that you know you yourself make. It's only going to make you depressed. But for some reason, these Bitcoin videos, I love reading the crazy comments. It's like I like look forward to it. I pop on every once in a while and look at the alerts. And like the crazier they are, the better. It's like somehow it's entertaining. And I guess I don't take my crypto reputation seriously enough to be offended by it. So it's just something about it is wild and fun. So the more crazy, uh, real or pretend comments, the better. Hey, and I'm trying to get my numbers up. So, so if y'all got any hate to spit, like as far as the metrics go, a comment is a comment. So if y'all any can argue and press. Yeah. So, so TK, uh, I, I was just debating what to do about this. I, so I wrote this book, Square One, The Foundations of Knowledge on Logic. And uh, it's been received really well. And then I recently got, I recently got a one-star review from a guy whose name I recognized because he sent me this passionate email that was like, Steve, I read your book and I think it's going to change my life. And like, dude, I really got to talk to you. This is, this is like a really big thing. And I got, I was like, nope, sorry. You can't, you did the email was not well written enough. I'm not, I can't respond. So he goes to Amazon and he leaves a one star review. So I like the book, but I couldn't get in contact with the author. I had some important things to say. And then I was like, okay, that's funny. Do I keep, do, do I be like, yo, Amazon, take this down. This is a nut job. Or no, I, of course I kept it up because I thought that, you know, that's great. That's, that's great. like the cable guy or something. It's the psycho chick. Yeah, yeah the exactly. cable guy knocking on your door. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'll take it. I'll take the one star review for being, uh, call me out for being the guy that didn't respond to your, I don't know if it was a pickup email or something like that. What you should do is you should put on your book, the promo landing page for that book, all these five star reviews and then be like, and a one-star review from this guy and put a, a screenshot of his email to you. And then it will be like a, a perfect uh, endorsement. Guaranteed to turn away crazies. Exactly. Hey, I, I, can't, I can't prove this, but let me appeal to your pessimism here. If you were to contact Amazon and ask to have that guy's comment removed, that information would leak somehow. And everybody would remember you forever. As That's the probably true. Tried hard to get that comment. Removed. That's probably true. Fair point. It's like that video of someone had like some guy dunking on LeBron in college or no, like in high school or something. And he tried to like get it, like take it offline. And now that's all people talk about. So speaking of uh, fake generated online hype, uh, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to give anything away too early, but our friend Derek here has been yeah. doing a little bit of research into the BSV hype machine. Uh, 0.8 projects are being released per day, almost a project every day. We have a list of like 400 projects being built on BSV. Derek, what have you found in your investigations so far? Well, I wanted to keep it. I want, thanks for, for blowing my cover. Okay. You don't have to, you can just tease <laughs> it if you want. Yeah. No, uh, I'm working on something and just been, been looking at stuff. And uh, I mean, let's just say, you know, uh, charts can be misleading. Um, and we'll say, hey, I can answer this because Derek is being shy about it. So I remember doing this research. I think I talked to you guys about it in one of these early calls where I said, I saw this chart that's being shared around. People saying all the projects being built. It's probably not the same chart. It's probably, or maybe it's the same one. It's been updated since then. It's a bunch of horse shit. You, you actually look through the, the specific ones and it's like, 
they put on there, you know, uh, a block explorer and then a few websites that are totally broken and don't work. And then you go there and it's like, it's, it's just one landing page. And the there's, oh, there's a BSV project. Like, uh, that's just like, uh, it shows the price of BSV and then it just cycles through Craig Wright tweets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, and several of them are, uh, fine, now I have to get into it because you guys are tempting me. Several of them are listed twice which is hilarious yeah. um, under like slightly different names, but they're the same thing. Other ones, like you, no matter how hard I try, I can't dig up any information on any evidence ever existed. Um, some of them, of course, broken links, a lot of broken links. Um, uh, the best ones are like, like, okay, so here, here's a fun one. They listed Satoshi doodles and it's like, Satoshi doodles <laughs> is great. Like I like their stuff. Like I know, don't get me wrong, but I mean, is it like an evidence of like, like a growing like a, ecosystem? It's or? a logo. That's what it yeah. is. It's, like well, it's fan an awesome, fiction, right? I it's mean, an it's awesome like, individual person who draws a picture every day, and the, the pictures are relevant good. to content-wise, topic-wise, or about Bitcoin. But is that a project built on BSV? Is that like, yeah. look, the ecosystem is expanding? <laughs> Do you buy into BSV because of a person who makes online watercolors? You know, or, or you know, there's a lot of those. There's like a mug shop. Like, like an actual coffee mug shop with two mugs listed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. Or there's like like some dude's blog, you know, and then you go there and it hasn't been updated in four months. Hey, wait a minute. The four nupties is not listed on there yet. Yeah. The well, why isn't our YouTube channel? We what, are a well, BSV project. Because you guys aren't 100% BSV. You're like, like 90, 98.9. You still have some, you still have some respect for the possibility that everything might not go perfectly. So, well, TK <laughs> Coleman, you know what? You could be listed just as an individual, TK <laughs> Coleman, as a project of BSV. That's being your life is being built on BSV. I could get down with that. I'm gonna put Koa Nakamoto on there. Okay, they so put, they should put fee on there now because you work for them. Just just list fee as yeah. like supporter of BSV. I don't know because <laughs> Roger Ver is a is a big supporter of fee and. We already have a little tension there, right, TK? As, a, as somebody who works at Fee and who loves BSV vocally, have you gotten into trouble yet? Well, well we will now. <laughs> no, I'm, man, so, I'm getting everybody in trouble. You, you know what? I, I, I think Roger Ver is going to make his way over to BSV in time. Ooh. I, I, I truly think that, man. Okay, and, make, and, the and case. I know- make the case. Give me the facts that lead you to believe that is a likelihood. I like this. <laughs> You can't just make a claim and have no, nothing to back it up. Is it just a gut feeling? Hey, I don't, I don't owe you anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw this blog post from 2013. Look, Isaac, you'll find out in October when the court case is finished. <laughs> hey, all, all will be revealed. It's proof of work. No, okay, well, okay. Well, if, if you're not willing to, I know, um, <laughs> no. and I didn't actually read the article. Derek shared it or somebody shared it. Um, that Roger had a recent interview about how, you know, hey, you can expect Bitcoin with the halvening to probably have the same problems it had in 2017. If that's not how it's meant to work. That's why a big block, you know, BCH is meant to work that way. But in that article, he said something about BSV that was somewhat not hateful, right? Is that? Is yeah, that well, it, it, I mean, it, it, it always helps if you're not getting sued by the main people involved. Um, you know. Okay, so we, so we know the negative stuff. We know the suing, we know that, but like, is there reason to believe? Is there any evidence that Roger and or Bitcoin.com may be becoming more friendly to, to BSV? Yeah. So, I mean, he has said positive things about BSV before. And 
something that I genuinely believe about Roger is that he cares about winning. And my my obscure basketball analogy that is also he, he cares about free, freedom winning in particular. I think whatever version of the coin is not just a financial win, but it, it expands freedom. I think is his main focus. Yeah, I, I think Dennis Rodman is going to be like he's going to be like Dennis Rodman. Roger Ver is going to be like Dennis Rodman for BSB. He's going to be that guy who was you know the hated competition. Everybody hated him. We don't want that guy. We don't need him anyway. You know, and then when he makes the decision to join the team, everybody's going to be like, what? Like, can that work? Like with the rivalry and the controversy and the hate on both sides. And I think it's going to work and he's going to join and he's going to contribute a lot. And I think I think I think it's going to be remembered in the way that Robin with the Bulls is. remembered. Oh, my gosh. Bringing bringing the last dance into this is the most brilliant move ever, TK. Thank you. Now, I have so many places I can go with this, but I don't want to alienate uh, Steve and Derek, who, who are probably not as big of uh, NBA, 90s NBA fans. I remember yeah, I Dennis Rodman. Jam. Yeah, I, I remember going to the supermarket when I was young and seeing a book, I think, that Rodman wrote where he was like naked and had a basketball covering his private parts with green hair. That's about yeah. all my recollection. Bad yeah. as I want to be. Yeah, Something like that. Bad as I want to be. <laughs> And, and it's fitting because Bulls fans hated Rodman, right? He he represented the enemy and he was the poster boy for the enemy. And that's kind of how Roger is talked about by some people in BSV. And Roger kind of, you know, he's made it clear where he stands in terms of his disagreements with Craig. But I do believe that he loves winning. I do believe believe that he that he loves um yeah, I, I believe that he loves winning and I believe that he has that entrepreneurial mindset. But I, but I think BSV is going to have to differentiate itself without yeah. Roger before it it has his support and endorsement. Yeah, I don't see Roger. I don't see Roger going out and like evangelizing while right. BSV is young. If if BSV right. can prove itself and win successfully, then yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think Roger's the kind of guy that is going to throw a big block Bitcoin uh, under the bus because he doesn't like one dude in it in the long run. Well, well, there are two people. Well, I was going to say, but he may be forced to do exactly that. Throw a big block Bitcoin under the bus because he doesn't like one person. And I'm talking about BCH. He may end up being more open to BSV, not because he suddenly likes BSV more, but because he gets driven away from BCH. If if Amari and ABC uh, screw it up enough, uh, implement the minor tax and all this other stuff. Like, I mean, I, they, they, they talk as much shit about Roger Ver as, as Craig Wright does not as far as I know, they're not suing him, uh, or haven't tried to, but it's almost like who, who, you know, which version of Bitcoin abandons Roger the most? <laughs> yeah. Know? I don't even think it's, I don't think it's that personal though. I think, yeah, you got some bad apples in BCH and BSV, but it might be that the bad apples in uh, BCH will destroy the coin successfully. And I don't think we're at the place where the bad apples in BSV are going to destroy the coin. Yeah. Steve, is that more than a fear for you? Do you see like a trend in that direction, evidence of that? Uh, which part? The destroying uh, on, on BCH? Yeah, BCH destroying. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, honestly, I, I really do. I think, in a sense, I think it's almost been broken. Yeah. I think the fact that we have seen... Uh, another attempted takeover a la Blockstream 2.0 uh, 
that just split the community in half. You got this one, you had some of the main people in the development community explicitly back Omri Sachet and say things like, look, we need a lead implementation. This is our guy. He's the competent developer. Yeah, he's a little prickly around the edges, but he's our man. And then the guy uh, puts this minor proposal in in a terrible fashion, makes it, wants to be the dictator of Bitcoin. And the same, the same influential people that were backing him now say, yeah, actually, uh, I don't support that anymore. I think Omri kind of went off the reservation here. That's a terrible, I mean, that's a collapse. That's but, a, but it's that's still going forward, right? And, and, and are, am I correct that Bitcoin Unlimited is going to fork? There's going to be another fork of Bitcoin if Cash? If the IFP that- goes through, yeah. I mean, that's what they announced. And, and the thing is, the IFP, so I think, I think, what was it, 17% last time I checked of the blocks were being mined by Bitcoin Cash node, um, the, other, the alternative. Uh, and, then, and then the other one is, is ABC still, and they're still, they still have the IFP in the in the code and they also have some funding from someone a substantial amount of funding who they haven't released who clearly supports abc's you know roadmap so my thought is that there's going to be likely another hash war coming up or some kind of split that happens in the next uh, hard fork and this is the whole problem with giving yourself only six months uh yeah. You know, I mean, that's just, to me, that's, that's insane. And if that policy, I've already said online, like if that policy doesn't end, I don't see any reason to hold BCH because I agree. I think BCH is broken if they're going to continue the policy of hard forks every six months. Yeah. And I remember thinking before the BSV split that it was questionable whether or not we could have two big block Bitcoins. It was like this horrible tragedy that the, the big block Bitcoin community split into again. We got BSV and now we're going to have BCH split uh, uh, into well, it, a third time. And so that's what I'm saying. A lot of like, I, I, don't, I don't know that BSV has to do anything different to increase the odds of uh, Roger Ver or Bitcoin.com. It may just be that they let BCH kill itself. <laughs> yeah. And I, <laughs> Figuratively I think, or literally. I think there's a reasonable possibility that the proof of work function is going to change on at least one of the minority BCH coins if there's a split. I have heard various devs already talk about that. And honestly, it's not a terrible idea at this point because I don't think they're any, anywhere close to winning the hash war. So I think we could see even a further like acceptance of a permanent minority coin that's on a different proof of work function that's controlled by an even smaller group of, of developers than they currently have. Yeah, that's just not exciting. No. Derek, you said recently maybe the DAA, the difficulty algorithm adjustment and replay protection, maybe that's the original sin of big block Bitcoin. And I started thinking about that. I was reading Joshua Hensley had an article about the DAA. And I, I, wonder, I wonder your thoughts. I know it's, it's fun to you know, imagine what could have been, but if we do a little revisionist history, when that first fork happened, I don't know. It's, maybe I'm being too rosy, but I feel like absent, absent the DAA, which allows miners to just not give a shit and, and want both chains to stay alive and replay protection, it seems... It seems very plausible to me that there'd be one Bitcoin right now and it would have bigger blocks. It would have 32, yeah. other, you know? Yeah, I don't know which like, I mean, I don't know if that would have been Bitcoin Cash or that would have been Segwit2x, you know? I, I kind of feel like Bitcoin Cash preempting Segwit2x with a fork that was replay protected kind of like blew the opportunity maybe because yeah. you ended up with a coin now that was already existing that had big blocks 
that was separate on its own chain. By the time Segwit2x came around, uh, you know, it, it ended up not going through. And I wonder if it was because miners had this, this other coin now on the side rather than like they let's, could bet on both outcomes yeah rather than like let's let's duke seven. it out right now right let's because yeah. that was that was what the rhetoric was the rhetoric from the miners if you go look back was very strong you know like the whole uh or jihan Wu, fuck your mother if you want to fuck or something like that <laughs> like there was a lot of that kind of rhetoric like i mean if you go read Zhang zhao's old posts there was just like we're gonna mine empty blocks like they, they actually sounded a lot like craig um and it, it felt like they were preparing to really like Hey, like if you guys do your little user activated soft fork thing, you can go have your rink of ink chain on the side, but we're going to go take all the major businesses. We're going to take the whole industry with us. Um, and then so, they backed off because I think they had another option. So do you think Bitmain went to Amari and said, Hey, we're going to fund you if you do this fork so that we can, we can play both coins against each other and keep a indefinite survival of, of two chains. I think that's an open secret, isn't it? I, I thought the, the rumor was that, well, I mean, I don't know about the, the reasoning process you laid for, but I'm pretty sure Jihan uh, was the person funding ABC at the beginning. But I think it was as a backup plan, just in case Segwit2x failed. And to, to answer your original question, without the replay protection and the DAA, uh, Bitcoin Cash wouldn't have existed long enough for Segwit2x to fail because it would have already been killed out at the beginning. So you had to have yeah. the D, some kind of DAA at the very beginning just to make it exist long enough to see whether or not S2X went through. Yeah, but that's why I think maybe, maybe that was a bad strategy and maybe you should right. have just gone all in on Segwit2x instead of having this backup plan. Oh, right. I agree. So, so, I think ha that so was have a like a, you either, you either win, you ha either win or there is, you win or die instead of you win or you survive on 1% hash rate indefinitely. You know, yeah, like I, maybe that's not the better but, solution. But the BCH thing is different from the S2X thing. So I think it was yeah. a, a big blunder not to go through with Segwit2x for all kinds of reasons. Power reasons being a big one, right? If you if you allow the Bitcoin core devs to maintain the keys to the main repo that's being used, you give them apparently a massive amount of power. And Segwit2x, even though it was a small block size increase, would have made Jeff Garzik the lead dev um, instead of the, the the core cabal, so that definitely I think was a blunder to to, to back. So it's down. possible that the BCH fork forking before Segwit two X was the greatest gift that Core could have ever received. That's what I think. Now in hindsight, that's what I think. I I, I don't know if Steve feels the same way, but the way I see it is is that Bitcoin Cash forking early killed some of the momentum of Segwit two X, and. Um, it, uh, it shouldn't have happened. The whole big block community should have just gone on with Segwit2x and put all their energy into that um, instead of being, being preemptive with another option that was replay protected and that wasn't going to fight it out with, with, with Core. I think I, I, don't, I don't really have a super strong opinion on it, but I, um, I don't necessarily disagree with, the, with the, BC, the existence of Bitcoin Cash because everybody in the community, almost everybody, was desperate to keep the Bitcoin community together. Like it was, it, to, to co the compromise down to two megabyte blocks was gigantic. I mean, it started yeah. at, I don't know, the initial proposal was like 200 so, megabytes. So gigantic almost eight. to be stupid, you know? Like Pretty much. And in hindsight, it definitely looks that way. And then it was eight, and then it was four, and then it was okay, well, just to t t twice the transaction capacity, and that wasn't good enough. Um, so I, I, S2X not going through was a blunder, but I do think the, the, I mean, we're still feeling the pain of breaking 
uh, Bitcoin into multiple parts. The network effect was is still not unified around a, a, a one coin. So I think if they just went through with Segwit2x, it changed the development team then, and you established the principle that actually block size increases aren't that big a deal. That's how the system was designed to scale. Then maybe once you clear out the uh, a lot of the bad actors or, or stupid people, whatever it is, then you could start raising the blocks uh, at a more frequent rate. Yeah. What about the BSV split though? They talked a big game about there will be one chain and, and ended up doing the exact same thing, doing replay protection and the, you know, like, well, was that a missed was, opportunity by BSV? To they be, lost the hash war. Though. They lost the hash that. war and then there was check, well, there were checkpoints too and other stuff. And I'm not even convinced that they lost the hash war now. I mean, it depends on how you define hash war. I mean, you know, because a lot of, it sounds like a lot of Bitcoin cash people lost a lot of money in the process uh, and, and are suffering much more economically than the BSV side. But, so, but, they, but they did end up implementing replay protection, correct? Uh, who did it first? Uh, it was inevitable. It wasn't as much replay protection as it was um, they had incompatible changes. So there was, there was something that they were adding in... Um, BSV was, that was incompatible, yeah, and there SV, was some. Yeah. I think SV did that on purpose to to basically to basically. But it was in both sides. In. I believe there were changes on both sides that were mutually incompatible. Right, yeah. and, and 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 I don't think. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there is technically replay protection right now. If you have unsplit coins, you still can replay them on both chains. Uh, yeah, I think you can. Yeah, I mean, I did when I split okay. my coins. Yeah, uh, but I don't. I, that was a while ago. I don't. Okay. I haven't done it since. Yeah, no, okay. I, I was just trying to think through. I was trying to remember that sequence of events of how, like, I felt at the time, I felt like I remember well, the talk from SV being take no prisoners. And then almost no. immediately they were like, oh, no, it's okay. We'll both exist. Like, I remember feeling disappointed that, it, that the result was two chains that are both surviving. I wanted there to be one winner. And I, I felt like we got ripped off by not getting one winner. Well, the SV, the SV narrative is that, you know, there was like, they went to the exchanges and they got the exchanges to, to do basically commit to ABC being Bitcoin cash, no matter what. And that they were going to add, they added checkpoints to the software to make it. So like, so BCH won the, won the political battle at high financial cost and BSV won the, battle of actual like long-term mining well, we'll and business interests supposedly it, we'll see i mean it, it seems like when i look at the two ecosystems now it seems like bsv is more financially healthy well plus there's For 400 sure. fake projects <laughs> <laughs> hey and you also have every other day another announcement from one part of the calvin air uh incorporated splitting off and absorbing another and then they you know, like <laughs> They're always shifting around like Tall just uh, acquired Enchain. No, Enchain just did a reverse move yeah. into Tall. And there's always these PR. <laughs> and I never know like, what does this mean? Is this actual business activity or is this just a bunch of shell corporations changing their, you know, c corporate status? Yeah, I, I don't know what the heck's going on with that. I, I find it so hard to follow. TK, you're on the end. I'm going to start doing press releases for whenever I transfer money from one bank account to another. Just announce it. Let people know. I'm making moves, baby. I'm TK moving money Coleman around. TK has, Coleman has stepped down from TK Inc. and has appointed TK Coleman as the new, you know, whatever. Yeah, let's let's create a bunch of websites and list each other as like board members to every website and then just swap them around constantly. And Did do you see that meme of Calvin shaking Calvin's hand? I sent it. I think I was the one who sent it to you. That, that was, was amazing. Great. 
I just want to announce that I've been promoted to producer, revolution of one, uh, <laughs> no, no longer writer. Um, no, okay, look, while we're talking about difficulty uh, adjustment, with the halving coming up, there's been lots of speculation surrounding BTC chain death. There's some people who kind of anticipate or predict that happening now, but there are some who say, look, whether it happens now or in the halving four years from now, this is the inevitable fate of BTC. I love to hear you guys talk about that. Like, what do you think is the likelihood of BTC suffering from chain death? I think in the long that, run. It's all about that number go up, man. Yeah, like, yeah, if I mean, that keeps it, happening, it can live a long time. But if not. Yeah, if we're talking about long term, then yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, the block, how are miners going to recoup the cost of mining? If they're, if, if, if uh, people have multiple options to use blockchains that don't cost multiple dollars to send transactions, they're not going to use the BTC network. They're not going to pay exorbitant fees like they did in 2017. So if the block reward goes away, then yeah, I mean, you're going to have a massive reduction in uh, security of the network. It's, it might crawl to a halt. And now this happening, I'm not sure. I mean, m- my money is on probably nothing dramatic is going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. I hope there's going to be a bunch of fireworks, but I just don't think we're there quite yet. So a, a quick question about that. Since BTC clearly depends on a number go up model, around what does that number have to be in order to keep this halving from being a mining bloodbath? Does it need to be like, I know we can't name the number exactly, but does it need to be something like 20,000 or is like pumping it up close to 10,000 where it's at enough now? What do you think? I mean, it's got to double. The price has to double every four years in order to keep up with the happening just to maintain the same level of security and, and profitability. So in terms of what the amount is before you start getting something like something like a chain death, it's hard to say because I think it's far more likely that you'll see the chain slowing down dramatically. But then as long as you get to that two-week section or however many, I don't know, a thousand blocks or whatever the heck it is, um, if, you can ma- if you can cross that threshold, then you're going to have the adjustment, the difficulty adjustment change and then you're going to be fine again. TK, I kind of see it as without knowing the specific numbers or valuations that these companies raised at or whatever, but I see it as, as any similar to anything in the venture industry where what you need is either profitability, which most of them don't have at first because they're going for something really big scale, or a compelling story that profitability is possible within a 10-year span that allows you to keep raising capital. And so you can look at Airbnb as a great example. They got all these great numbers and growth, and then and they, they're telling the story of how they're going to be even bigger. And that story is compelling enough. A lot of investors want to get on that train. Now you have COVID hit. Airbnb is getting absolutely hammered, but Airbnb is not going to die because they have a compelling enough story that enough people believe that even if this thing lasts for a year or two, I would suspect there's capital out there somewhere that's willing to say, yeah, I'll get in. Maybe the valuation's lower, but I still think given this thing's trajectory in the long term, it's going to be there. So I see the Bitcoin ecosystem similar. As far as I know, very few, if any, miners, exchanges, companies, maybe some of the exchanges, but you know, the Coinbase is the world. I don't think any of them are profitable. Because I think they're all doing a venture-backed model. And the story they're telling is, here's what Bitcoin is going to do, both in terms of adoption, transactions, and the value that the dollar price of the commodity itself. And given this story, if it goes like this, we make a lot of money. And like this, we make some money. And like this, we break even. 
they can raise capital. Now, how much capital are they sitting on? How much can they raise? How long can they make that happen? I don't know. But I think some of them, with each happening, you'll see some of them who told a story that was uh, less accurate will go out of business. I'm guessing there are probably some who are either going to go get loans or more equity right now because they're like, hey, the story we told three years ago when we raised capital was that by this happening, we'd be at 50K a coin. And our business model basically demanded that to return what our investors want. At this rate, we're going to be break even. If that, maybe we'll lose money. And if it drops lower, we will lose money. So we got to radically retell our story, raise at a lower valuation or go out of business. I don't know how how inaccurate those past stories are right now and how much leash investors and capital give them. Is it like, yeah, it's okay. Right now it's down, but in three years, it's still going to be 50,000 or what? But I think that's kind of what you're arbitraging is the believability of the story versus the reality. There's another big possibility here, which is we're dealing with core devs who are cool with changing the system. So it might be like Peter Todd has already floated this idea that maybe we have to give up the idea of a finite, fixed finite supply of Bitcoin. Maybe in the long run, the only way to maintain security of the network is to to have a consistent X number of coins per block indefinitely into the future and just change the promise of the 21 million limit. That's also a real possibility. I think that's that's more likely. I think they've already talked about that a lot for a long time. And I've even seen several people who are like, uh, uh, fixed supply maximalists come around and actually suggest we don't actually know whether the monetary system or the, the, the way it works is actually going to pay for security. So doesn't that destroy the entire hold meme? Like if we have a, you know, uh, our whole argument was get a piece of Bitcoin. It's the most scarce, provably scarce asset in the world. And it's only ever going to increase. And, you know, each unit is worth more over time that kind of ruins like the entire thing that has caused people to buy Bitcoin in the first place, BTC. There's no other reason to own it at this point. It's not usable. So wouldn't that destroy the whole value prop? I mean, a lot of it, I think for me, it would suggest because I don't actually, I don't think like a little bit of inflation is necessarily a problem, right? I mean, gold is a great money, but there's still new gold being produced. Um, The issue is, uh, the issue is that it sets a precedent, right? for later inflation, right? If like, if that becomes the thing and they're actually able to do that and get away with it, then that kind of undermines the whole idea that uh, Bitcoin is inflation proof. Because now you say, once, what about when political pressure gets involved? And right. they say, actually, we're gonna inflate it more. So, actually, so then all you're doing is saying, I would, I would rather invest my money in core devs than the Federal Reserve, but either yeah. way, I'm just trusting some experts to handle yeah. the supply. So my thought is a change in the supply will undermine it, not in, not in the sense that if Bitcoin started out and had a tiny bit of extra like inflation, perpetual inflation, like it would necessarily be bad, but in that changing it is, is the problem. Yeah. yeah and the, 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 the knowability of the inflation schedule and the transparency is, is vastly more important than what it is. You yeah, know, exactly. Markets can adjust. Yeah. There's one of the, one of the little coins that I like is Grin. It's a completely different uh, structure for a blockchain. It's a really interesting project and they have a fixed block reward indefinitely. So I don't know, it's like 50 grand every 10 minutes or I don't know what the, every minute it's a short block time. But um, that that hurts holders, especially closer to the beginning of the project because the money supply is increasing in a higher percentage. But when you're 15 years in the future, it, the, the amount of inflation really isn't that big of a deal. And it's predictable. It's already kind of built into the the, the expected price. It's already built into the, into the system, which is different than when you have Bitcoin. It's been 
pitching itself as the super hard asset forever. And then midway totally changes course and says, ah, just kidding. Now we're going to have indefinite inflation. So Steve, you think the the halvening for BTC will be more or less a, a nothing burger. Derek, you think the price of BTC is going to go up leading up to it or after it or what? Yeah. I mean, just sometime in the next several months, I, I, I'm actually, I think BTC will likely go up more, to be honest. I, I, I don't, I mean, who knows, but uh, my money right now is on that BTC will go up at least in the short term. Yeah. Um, what, what makes you what makes you confident in that? I, I think the uh, political situation right now is getting a lot of people interested in Bitcoin. You can actually see the trends on on search results have, have skyrocketed. Um, I think there's a lot more people considering Bitcoin. I think any kind of price movement uh, gets people talking about it again. So this recent you know run up that was like 15 percent or something like that generates a lot of media hype. We already saw that the mainstream media starts paying attention again. People are scared right now of the financial situation. Um, there's a lot more discussion going around around about uh, uh, cash being, uh, uh, you know, scary or or dirty or or even uh, just not trust in the U.S. financial system. So you know, I think people are looking for alternatives, and right now, like nobody's actually the vast majority of people don't know that Bitcoin doesn't really work that well, um, and they don't know how stupid the roadmap is. Like. And they and if they get on Coinbase and buy some, they won't even necessarily know because they've never had any other experience. They may not even know that if they're not planning to use it anytime soon, that the fact that it's taking hours to days to get six confirmations, like it may go unnoticed. Yeah, most people aren't using it to spend regularly. So if they're just and most I, I, I would I would bet that most retail investors are just like, you know, everyday people are not withdrawing to their own wallet anyway. So you buy it on Coinbase and then you're you're kinda you're kinda done. So, you know, and, 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 and the reality is like the, uh, the ecosystem has changed since, since 2017. I mean, uh, Bitcoin still sucks for commerce, you know, but, but, but there are certain things that have improved in far as its, uh, its re- reliability. So more exchanges are batching, for example. Like that does affect the, uh, the mempool, uh, uh, I think, quite a bit. Um, more people are using SegWit and, and you know, SegWit kind of sucks in my opinion. But again, like that, that... Though these kind of things are minor improvements that will make it so I think they won't see necessarily the same thing we saw in 2017 play out. It could still get bad. It may get worse if there's a lot more interest, but it, I think Bitcoin can handle a bit more interest now than it did in 2017. I think I wanna, a bit's wanna, the key word there, though, because uh, I mean, the, yeah. the, the nature of the, the blocks being full is it's kind of a cliff you go over. So once, once the blocks are full, even if you have, you know, 50% of the transactions are being batched or, or whatever it is, yeah. then you're going to have the increase in the fees and then pe- the transaction is going to be stuck. You got more people adding transactions to try to accelerate their transactions. And it's more of, it's, I think it's definitely more of a cliff um, problem than like a gradual, uh, gradual issue. I want a saucier take. TK, you tell us what's going to happen at the happening. Give us, give us a crazy, exciting prediction. I don't have any in relation to BTC itself. Um, I, I think, like you say, it's going to be relatively non-eventful. I think, like Derek says, we should expect a little FOMO, a little pump, at least leading up to it, because there's a compelling narrative that people seem to believe. And if you can sell people on the idea that at some point in the future, this is going to, you know, numbers going to go up, um, you can survive and buy some time in that way. So. A, a, a potentially saucy prediction. I, 
I, I look at it as a suspicion rather than something that I, that I am confident is going to happen. I'm not going to make any moves on this, but what if BSV is able to around or, you know, around the time of the Halvening reveal some business deals that can flood the network with transaction volume that we don't know about right now, right? That could cause miners to have a greater reason to come over to BSV um, while they're in the midst of this troublesome period. And here's what I mean. Right now, all we've been seeing in terms of transaction volume are like these, these different types of proof of concept apps. But what we haven't really seen is anything like the EHR data announcement. We haven't, we haven't seen anything like, yo, InChain just established this deal and they're ready to rock and roll. But there is a lot of that talk. There is a lot of hinting at it, hinting around it. There is a lot of movement happening behind the scenes. There's announcements here without any like clear dates of when it's going to happen. And I think it could be a big game changer if BSV is able to hit a home run or two in the next few months with some kind of transaction processing deal that isn't going to be the product of an app like Twitch or Weather SV. And, and it seems like T-A-A-L, how do you say it? Tal, Tal, whatever. It TK, like, you say things however you want to say them, my man. Tal, whatever. It seems like Tal, from, from the way they're talking about it, is actually pursuing this approach where they're cutting deals privately, so to speak, and they're looking to get their transaction volume not by hoping that Twitch or someone else's app takes off. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to make some kind of move based on blind faith that that's going to happen, but that could make things really interesting if something like that corresponds with the halving. I'm going to put a pin in the, the towel discussion because I want to come back to an article that they had recently that I found really interesting, but I'm going to, I'm going to give a, a saucy sequence of events that I hope happens at the happening uh, that does not involve, doesn't require uh, Craig Wright to sell off the Satoshi coins or anything like that. Cause it doesn't, I don't think that's going to happen under almost any circumstances, uh, especially cause there's this court case that never ends. Um, <laughs> Roger Ver posted something at the BCH happening. I think it was in Reddit where he was like, Hey, this this happening doesn't really matter to BCH. The BTC happening is a much bigger deal for BCH. Now, maybe he was just saying because, you know, the obvious reasons that there'll be a, a short-term period during that two-week phase before BTC's difficulty adjusts where it will be more profitable and a bunch of miners will come over and mine BCH and BSB. But, but what if, I don't think this is going to happen, but I think there's like a 20% chance. What if... Roger and Jihan and whoever else on BCH and maybe also whether independently or in concert with BCH, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend are like working as hard as they can to pump up the price and to pump up the difficulty for BTC leading up to the happening. And then they're going to seize that two week window when BTC can't adjust its difficulty and its profitability cuts in half while its difficulty remains the same and they're going to try to move, try to basically freeze up Bitcoin and get all of the miners moving over to BSV and BCH. And if they don't, they'll go out of business and they won't survive and try to like push an extreme scenario to, to uh, and then make all sorts of PR hype about people have 
stuck in the meme pool for two weeks, can't move coins, spending a hundred dollars on fees. Meanwhile, BSV and BCH have more security and mining power and all that, you know, that could be a fun scenario. That could be a fun two weeks. Uh, How likely is that? Probably very unlikely, but I love to dream about it. I think it's kind of fun. I think that's actually more likely. It's just, I I think the unlikely part is that it's going to destroy BTC. But I mean, I know a bunch of BCH miners already mine BTC and then sell the BTC for BCH. So it would totally make sense that if you if you are if you support big block Bitcoin and you're already mining BTC, that it, you at least try for a couple of weeks to to screw up the the mempool. Yeah, I think I think that's probably going to happen to some small small amount at least. It, it's a question of given you know the last time this happened in 2017, there wasn't really uh, there wasn't any sort of viable alternative. Um, to being stuck in that in that meme pool was BCH BCH existed then didn't it right yeah. before then okay so maybe there was because I was going to say the difference could be that this time the, the question is how much damage can you do in that two weeks in terms of PR economic damage to miners and whatever who are only on BTC can you do enough damage to prevent BTC from recovering basically its same dominant position in the same ratio. Mm. Um, or can you actually permanently move up the ladder in comparison to BTC? And I would love to see something dramatic in that regard. Well, what I think would, would you know, the warning about the, the happening is going to affect Bitcoin Cash more could be that um, the BTC happening will affect Bitcoin Cash. Could be that there'll be a lot of hash rate that is no longer profitable on the BTC network um, or that is being obsoleted that may be able to be rented to attack BCH or do something wonky with BCH. That would be another sort of idea, the opposite idea. Um, oh. And I've seen several people in Bitcoin Cash talk about that too. Um, that okay, tell me, tell me about this. Equipment play play that out for me. I'm, I'm trying to think through it. I'm not as technical as you guys. So um, give me a scenario in which uh, BCH gets attacked or, or BSV if it could happen. Well, just them. imagine there are like smaller Bitcoin miners who have equipment that they can't recuperate their investment on now and it's not going to be useful on, uh, on BTC, but with the hash rate of BCH would still be very powerful and, and maybe they could sell that hash rate to recuperate some of that investment and rather than letting that stuff just sit around and go to waste would be the idea. They would sell it to Blue though. Somebody uh, who's whoever trying to wants screw. to attack Bitcoin Cash or Bitcoin SV. I got you. So, yeah. but they would have to accumulate fifty-one percent, right, for it to be a. Yeah, but that's probably not that hard. I mean, considering yeah, yeah that the BCH and BSV are still a tiny fraction of the of the whole SHA two fifty six hash. Yeah. I would love there's to, another, I would love there's to there's run a, the numbers and see how. What would that take? Like, there's a lot. There's a well. There's numbers. Some people have said, like, right now it's like eight thousand dollars to fifty-one percent attack for an hour or something like that. I don't know if that's that's accurate. How I mean, many thousand dollars? Eight thousand. That's okay, what that I mean. seems like bullshit. Because if that were true, why well, yeah, and that's why everyone you just do it. Well, so there's a difference though. Like what I was going to mention is like it could be at any given moment. It could be like a low price, but you also got to consider that there are miners who will then jump in and. um start mining or to, 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 to add more hash to the network, right? And then the difficulty adjusts and it becomes more costly to yeah. do that. So, so it's, not, it's not as easy, I think, as people think to do it because there's always like, like even with, with, with SV, like you say, oh, look at the hash on SV. Well, I think it's actually smart to have low hash if you're not being attacked to say, if, 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 you know, keep, keep your costs down as much as possible 
unless you're being attacked, right? And, and, and then you, you allocate more hash, but you don't use all the hash you necessarily have at your disposal necessarily at any given time. You don't need to. You know, like if the difficulty is low enough, you don't need to use all your equipment to start mining. Surge, surge hashing. Yeah, so basically the argument is just that, hey, nobody, nobody's attacking BCH or BSV right now because the opportunity cost is too high. They could make more money mining BTC. But when there's that two-week window where they have no opportunity cost because they can't make money on BTC, now yes. all of a sudden it might be uh, worthwhile. Yeah, and if you can recuperate some investment by renting the hash or something like that to some hostile actor, or, or, you know, then... then Maybe go for it, right? I mean, that, that, that's one idea that could that I could see playing out. I don't know. I mean, or at um, least or at least force in uh, chain or B- BCH people to to burn tons of money protecting their chain, even if you don't ultimately win in a fifty one percent attack, just to bleed them of resources. Idea. See, yeah. there's so much fun stuff that could happen. I want something like this to happen. I'm bored right now. Hey, hey so along the lines of something bad happening for BTC. I know you guys compared it to the situation in, in 2017 where, where, you know, the mempool, you know, got pretty full. Couldn't you say this is going to be a different game because one, you've got more competition. You've got BCH and BSV. First time in history we've had three shot 256. And then you also have it corresponding with a halvening, which wasn't the case last time. This was, at, you know, post the 2016 halvening. And you also had BTC at an all-time high, which kind of staves off some of the negative effects a little bit, right? Like BTC is under 10,000 now. Before it was, you know, well in advance of 10,000, like pushing 20,000. 20, Those three factors right there, don't that raise the problem? Doesn't that raise the probability that they're at risk of a chain death scenario? There's another feature here that's important, though, that the difficulty adjustment algorithm of BCH during that price craziness in uh, late 2017 was different than the one that BCH and BSV are using right now. The one they're using right now adjusts a lot sooner, so it's a lot smoother. And before, it took longer, a longer period of time to adjust. So you had these crazy oscillations in the hash rate for... Um, yeah. BTC because there was the, and you had a crazy oscillation in the hash rate for BCH as well. Um, and it would take a long, and, and BCH actually would grind to a halt. You would have, uh, you would have just, a, you know, blocks every minute or every 30 seconds at, near the peak. And then the adjustment would uh, change. And then you would have like no blocks for eight hours, yeah. which wasn't, which wasn't uh, really great. So we don't have that situation anymore. We're going to have a much smoother a uh, quicker adjustment period for the minority chains, which is probably going to make it, I think, less likely that you're going to have such massive fluctuations. Because the, the profitability will decrease quicker because it'll adjust upward exactly. more quickly as the hash comes over. Well, that, that right, so you're not going to have every... You're saying... Uh, pardon? So you're saying that kind of helps BTC a little yes, bit? Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. if, the, if the price goes up on one of the minority chains and it takes a long time for that hash rate to adjust, you get all the BTC miners piling into that minority hash rate, driving up the, the uh, block times that so, much more. It gets quicker and quicker. And then there's this big adjustment and they all jump back to BTC. So it makes the oscillations worse. So what if uh, General Supreme Sachet is like, hey, quick, Let's push out a, a change to the difficulty adjustment back to the old model, and we'll keep it artificially low for the same two-week period that BTC is locked in a high difficulty. Uh, I'm trying to think of the long-term 
the long-term consequences of that. I mean, at this I mean, point, would, I love the fireworks. You know, I'd love to see something like that. Yeah, I, I, it would harm BCH because then you're going to have massive oscillations, but it would right. be fun to see for sure. Right. For but sure. you would have a two-week period where it would be so uh, profitable to mine BCH. Yeah, but you, you, would, you definitely cause long-term harm. TK, the price of BTC, um, like way back in 2017, I don't, I don't know what the price was relative to the cost of mining, but that's what matters. It's, it's, it's not just the price, it's the profitability of mining. So I, I don't know what it was back then. Like I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Well, and also TK, I, I don't know that that, so having the price be so high and go so high so quickly, I think that exacerbated the problem because more people wanted to sell because they could make a profit then. Whereas now if the price goes up a little bit, but it's not at astronomical all-time highs, I think more people will, be, will not be upset about having the meme pool take forever to clear because they're not selling anyway because if they sold, they right. wouldn't make that much money. I don't know that, it, that that helped them back then as much as I think it maybe hurt them. Yeah, well, and you at know, that I, time, I, there was certainly a greater expectation for BTC to be useful in retail, right? Which is why we saw all those. Like I, like I said, TK, too, I... I think when I go look back at in 2017, I do think that there was a deliberate effort by some big blockers to clog the mempool a little bit on, on BTC. And um, just and it's not like that wasn't happening organically, but I think that I, I, the evidence that I can tell looks like that was happening a little bit. And so I don't think that they can do that this time. I, I don't think the money's there. I'm not sure about that. I mean, uh, the bar is rather low when you've got one 1.2 meg blocks or whatever it is. It actually doesn't take that much to send out a, a big bunch of transactions and clog things up. The possibility is that the nodes might not relay the transactions. You know, yeah. uh, Isaac just got idea. a great idea. <laughs> we got to convince the guys from Twitch to quickly spin up a new Twitch that's built on the BTC blockchain. And as soon as the happening occurs, Everybody do that for two weeks and just completely destroy the mempool with twitches. Yeah, the Satoshi shotgun, just put it on BTC. <laughs> so so tall, tall mining, uh, which it's like if I read some of the stuff that they're doing or they say they're going to do, it gets me really excited. But I still can't figure out if like these various companies, like how real they are, how much is just yeah. talking, and whatever. Did so you I'm just see their announcement? Sure. Their announcement today was... Uh, Tau licenses N-Chain IP portfolio for 10 years. Right? There it's you like, go. It's like, it's like Cal, and Calvin added, got, went, is now on the board of Tau. So Calvin and Craig are on the board of Tau, but I think they're also on the, well, Craig works for N-Chain or something and Calvin's like on the board of N-Chain. Yeah, and these relationships. And Calvin's a big investor in both of them. No, and then I they're would love to like, see the board meeting for that uh, decision. <laughs> yeah, so, like, Calvin with a mirror. <laughs> he's, he's talking into two phones. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Calvin's always like, you know, they'll make these and Craig has done this too. Like, no, 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 that's not my company. I'm totally independent from it now. And like, they keep like shuffling the chairs around. And so I can't tell in terms, when I look at it from that standpoint, it seems like, like this is just weird. But when I look at the content of what they're saying, so there was this article uh, recently by Tal that was like a future where they want to stop using the word mining. And especially as you start to get rid of the blocker word and start using the word like transaction processors. Like that's what miners are really doing as we move to a, a way where they're funded by transaction fees. And the ideas they were talking about, hey, we're supporting this. And what we're doing is we want to create solutions for enterprise that remove all the friction points. So 
you pay it, you pay us some percentage and we're going to guarantee end of day clearance of all transactions the way that other financial instruments do. We're going to guarantee stability in terms of US dollars. And I know BitPay has done some of this stuff in the past. Um, but I love, I love the framing and I think there's something interesting there about that maybe, maybe you, you can never get rid of the word mining and it's stuck and maybe that's a good thing, maybe not. But I love the idea of like the future of this network is not we go and we find blocks and we, you know, create new coins and that's the whole ecosystem. That's the economics of it. It's no, we, we uh, add transactions to the blockchain and make money every time we do. That's the business model. And I love that talk and that framing. So I'm curious, um, you know, is, are, is BSV, they're the only ones I see talking about it. Are they the only ecosystem that's thinking beyond block reward? I mean, like this, you know, every four years might seem like a long time, but like, I don't see anybody in BTC with a with a survival plan for for mining companies post you know post block reward. Well, their survival plan is to drive up the fees so much that only a very small handful of companies are settling transactions on chain. But I mean, how many tra- how many thousand dollar transactions do you need to do to make mining profitable in a future with no block reward? Like it still seems yeah, like a I shame. don't know. I, I don't know. If that, I, I'm sure Greg Maxwell has a a, a, a whiteboard with a calculation on it. Um, yeah, I, I, and, you know, and they're also with the the whole promise of the Lightning Network as is kind of like getting uh, getting a lot of the functionality of transaction processing through nodes through through non mining nodes than the miners. So I, I think you could see a transition over there to just be like, well, we don't need a lot of security for the network. So we just need a little like bit. One, well, like one miner that makes one, uh, you know. They get one million dollar transaction fee a, a day. But well, that's if you, if you read <laughs> Tur, Tur Demister. Well, first off, yeah, Seifdeen says there'll be eight hundred fifty central Bitcoin banks. I don't know why he came up with that calculation, but that dude and they're the only ones who get the to transact on chain. And then Tur, uh, I think I'm saying his name right. Is it Turdmeister? I never know. Yeah, I, I know. It's like is I, it? Yeah, it's hard. I didn't hard. know if his name was real or not. I was like, is this guy trolling people? Turdmeister. <laughs> Turd de- Meister? Yeah. Did you say Turd Meister? Uh, yeah. I well, thought it's that's Turd what it was. It's Turd Meister, so it's like it's Turd Meister. <laughs> you guys are okay. You guys are terrible. So he said, um, he said, uh, what? Uh, it will be uh, as rare transacting on chain will be as rare as chartering an oil tanker. So, I mean, none of this stuff just seems crazy. To so me. literally, there's going to be a miner that's like sitting there with a nuclear powered mining facility and they only turn it on once a month to do one transaction and they charge you a million dollars to do it. Yeah. And his name's Rothschild or something. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't really know like what the, what the end game is for that because to me that seems like very high, highly insecure, right? Like if you've, if you've got a very small number of organizations who are, are just doing all the, the on-chain transactions and, and presumably, you know, if you can't, like I'm just trying. I haven't looked. I've well, I've tried to look into how this would work because you can imagine. Like if I'm using Lightning Network, at some point I want to get my funds off of Lightning Network because storing them in a Lightning Hot Wallet seems very insecure, you know. But if it's too costly for me to transact, and if transacting is as as rare as as chartering an oil tanker, I mean, am I going to be trusting someone else to settle on chain for me? Yes. You know, like that, that's, or, or that's that or crazy. you're not settling. You're keeping yeah. them. Or you're yeah, keeping. It's yeah, crazy, right? Your funds in there. It's totally yeah, in ridiculous. A hot wallet, right? And but then, but this, what's even crazier to me is then they say everyone needs to run a node. But it's like, well, if you're not transacting on chain, then your node doesn't matter. Like, if a node means anything, it's got to have economic activity. 
So guys, guys, listen, listen. Mr. Poopy Bitcoin on Twitter has addressed all of this. I, I love. Is that, is that a real? Okay, is that a person's? Do you real follow that account? Is, <laughs> that's, that's that's a real person on Twitter. Oh, oh I, I thought, thought you were you talking were just... about Turdmeister again. <laughs> no, 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 Mr. Poopy Bitcoin is a separate. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Oh, Meister, Mr. Turd. Okay. You need to keep better company, TK. Okay. <laughs> Bitcoin is the only place where you can have like some news article and then it references people like Turd Meister, Mr. Yeah. Bitcoin. And it, like, yeah, like whale, shit, whale panda. Shitcoin.com shitcoin is like a legitimate information source. <laughs> and you know, one thing I'll say about this transaction processing language on the surface seems kind of arbitrary hey, we already got a word for this, mining. And mining has always meant more than just, you know, trying to get the subsidy. Mining has meant processing transactions. But I think what's brilliant about it is two things. Number one, it shifts discussions on about the network to a, a term and a concept that can't be easily copied, right? BTC can't adopt that language. If they do, it's fatal to their, their narrative. If BTC starts talking about transaction processors, well, now you've got to compare how many you've got versus how many SVs got, how many processes you're transaction, transacting. So from the standpoint of having a unique way of speaking and getting their customers to think about things, they found a language that BTC cannot afford to copy without stabbing its own self. The second cool thing is that it's a customer-centric way of speaking. Because if you're mining, that's not about me. That's something that you're doing for you. But if you're processing transactions, who are you processing transactions for? This is for somebody else. You're doing it for your own self-interest, yep. but you can't process transactions without doing it for someone else. So it, it immediately changes the frame around it. And, and if I'm a business and I'm looking at some at different networks, I don't care about who has a bunch of miners, but I do care about who has a bunch of transaction processors because that's about me. It's so brilliant. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a great, that's a great point on the framing because I remember during the whole block war thing, it was like all of a sudden miners were just getting thrown under the bus by, you know, uh, BTC people all the time. Like, Oh, these, we don't want a bunch of, you know, miners or this isn't to serve the miners. And the idea of framing them is like, no, they're transaction processors and you have no transactions. Yeah. They're serving you and your transactions. Um, there is something to that that I think is, is valuable. I love that. And it also, uh, it makes the idea of running your own node, more clearly idiotic. Like imagine you're thinking, oh, in order to use Bitcoin, you have if to be a transaction process. it wasn't clearly idiotic enough from looking at the pictures uh, of people who do it on Twitter. Well, fair <laughs> enough. But I mean, you know, the idea of, well, you, you have to make sure you are personally processing the world's transactions. That it doesn't make any sense. But it does make sense if you think, you know, it's a new system and you have this new category of of market participant that are the transaction processors. It's a highly specialized thing. That makes it a lot more sensible. Well, you know, you think you would get better transaction uh, reliability if you have specialized companies doing it, you know, and you can offer interesting. And that's one of the things I like most is that this whole framing now, they, transaction processing becomes like competitive and competitive for trying to get customers to send transactions directly to you and have special deals with you, you know, and, and. Special like use cases like, hey, we specialize in a certain type of transaction. And, yeah, you know. and if you're doing a certain high volume, we'll give you discounted rates. Or if your business needs like better settlement time, you know, or if your business, the opposite is true too. Like if your business actually doesn't need that, 
like we can we can give it to you in a sense where you know you'll you'll get later settlement or something like that or delayed settlement so we can prioritize other customers you know something like that like th those are all interesting potential use cases and and when you look at like how credit card companies operate today they go out and find businesses to like to use their stuff right like they give you an offer like we want you to use our business credit card we want you to do this like that i think shows me that the miners are 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 looking to behave entrepreneurial like that we're like not only are they going to be like hey you know we're here we're open for business come use bitcoin it's going to be more like hey, this is the service we're offering us. We're going to come actually go find the businesses that we want to come make, you know, actually we're going to go find the customers as opposed to letting the customers find us. That's pretty cool to me. Um, could, could you, so. could a miner, now this is a technical question that I don't know the answer to and, and uh, forgive my ignorance, it might be a stupid question, but could a miner specialize and say something like, um, hey, we, we, we only do uh, transactions. We only find and, and, and process transactions that don't have any op return data. Or hey, we do we do you know transactions. We we specialize in big huge amounts of op return data and all that. Like so that if all you want is just the you know move coin from A to B, there's a specialist for that, and have, they have a different pricing structure than if you want to have you know one that you know what I mean. Yeah, you can do that. Uh, miners can add whatever uh, transactions they want into uh, whatever blocks they want. Um, when Derek, when you were talking, it made me think about this from um, from a, the miners' perspective, using the language of being a transaction processor, because we've also seen a failure of the competence of miners to take control of the network as they should. Yeah. And uh, if you if they think of themselves as mining, they're actually doing something that isn't connected as much to consumers. If you want to be a Bitcoin miner, oh, all that means is you burn electricity to make uh, Bitcoins. So you're drawing people who are, who are just kind of trying to throw their money at it and try to get that block reward versus if you say, hey, you're do doing a transaction processing that implies that your job is to process transactions and not just mines. So I like that part yeah, of it too. Exactly. And, 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 and they're going to think about the health of the network in a totally different way, you know, and, and maybe be, yeah. be, be more serious than, than they were in the past. Um, so I love all the stuff that these, like Tal says, I love a lot of the stuff. I mean, that's the, the, the heart of the contradiction in, in BSV is that there's a lot of really unique things being said that make me think these guys are here to play business seriously uh, and not just like, you know, crypto dipshit, spin up a node thing, Greg Maxwell. But um, my concern is always like the hype machine sometimes overhypes things in the short term. And I don't want to like fall into the trap of being like, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. When I look at this stuff, the, the, the landscape right now, and there's a lot of crap. Like, like TK is doing? <laughs> yeah, like, like TK <laughs> is doing, sharing, you know, sharing the, the BSV <laughs> ecosystem chart. You know, like, like there's a lot of crap. I mean, it's really, it's really bad. And the more I look at it, I'm like, man, this is like really, really, really bad. And I would be embarrassed to share this list. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would feel like I'm, I'm a, I'm a scammer or, or, or just a doofus who's not doing my research because it's so easy to look and see, wow, this is just way overhyped. It's nothing, right? But then there's some really, there are some cool projects, some legit ones too. Like I look and there's some really cool ones. Um, Twitch is obviously cool. I like uh, Uptime SV. It looks pretty neat. Or uh, I guess it's BitPing now or is it Uptime SV? I think it's Uptime SV. Yeah, you know, what I, what I fear is... The cryptocurrency world, uh, <clears throat> it follows the path. It becomes the C the next seasteading. I, I remember when I first heard about seasteading, and this was forever ago, 
and is like, oh my gosh, international waters, they don't have any you know, jurisdiction. If you were able to have a flotilla or a platform or whatever, you could, without violating any laws, now maybe a military would come after you anyway, but you could set up your own set of rules and have your own nation and blah, blah, blah. And not only that, there are real people with a lot of money who are interested in this and who are actively trying to make it happen. It was like, oh my God, this is real, right? Like Peter Thiel and millionaires and billionaires are, and they're spinning up nonprofits and they're giving out grants to research how to make it happen. And they're having conferences. And if you ever went to a conference or heard a talk, you would walk away saying, like you walked away from CoinGeek, this is actually exciting. There's real stuff happening. I met a guy who works at Microsoft and he was exploring it. I met this, and then that keeps happening year after year. And then there's a new institute and then the CEO leaves and another one. And then there's more talk and talk and talk and seasteading. There's still an institute. There's still a conference. There's still the same shit. And nobody has built a damn floating platform worth anything. And like, it gets to the point where you're like, call me when it's actually built because I'm tired of conferences and I'm tired of hearing about what's coming. And you know, like I'm, I keep feeling like, well, the reason that that happened with Bitcoin was because they choked the blocks. And then we have Bitcoin Cash and here we are, we're back again. Guys, it's real. But really, what, what was real? Well, we, what we could get our hands around was conferences and announcements. Well, okay, well, maybe the problem was BCH. Now we got BSV. Now it's real. And now we got real money behind it from at least yeah. one guy. And, and it's like, I know it's early. Give it more time. But there's a part of me that's like, yeah, maybe it's early in the BSV life, but it's freaking 10 years in Bitcoin's life. And like, I almost, you know, it's almost like announcements now have the opposite effect. It's almost a negative signal. Projects that announce are worse. That's why I I love when you see little things and a lot of them are too technical for me to understand exactly the value, but like Planaria or whatever, Unwrite or whatever, just being like, here, this is live. I built it, right? That's so much better than here's a press conference about what we're going to do in our new strategy. I kind of feel like the whole BSV ecosystem is like the boy who cried wolf so many damn times, just ship some shit and stop making announcements because you're hurting yourself. Well, yeah. And you've also like, you got to be, even with the stuff that does get shipped, you don't, because shipping a, shipping a proof of concept or a basic platform is so much different than building a viable business on it that lasts. And so when I look back, even even in the BCH days, and I think of some of the things that excited me that got launched, I'm like, do I use any of those now? Like, like one I was really hyped on was yours.org. And obviously, like I still use Money Button because Ryan's focusing on that. So that's, that's, that's still around, fortunately, but, but yours.org itself is dead. And, and a lot of those other things like it are just gone. Uh, honest.cash, gone. Um, uh, you know, uh, memo.cash is basically kind of dead. Purse.io almost died. And now it's kind of like back, but clearly they weren't making enough money, you know, so they got some investment or something to stay around. But is it, is it a viable business model? I, I don't know right now. And, and, and so, but these are the things that get hyped when you hear about, it. it's like, oh, well, BCH has this and BSV has this company. And it's like, yeah, but like these guys aren't profitable. They, they're, you know, the, 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 they don't have anything sustainable long-term. Like it, it's very easy to jump in. And now I'm just really trying to step back and be like, you know, I'm not going to really say much until I really see something substantial. The thing about BSV is that they're the only ones talking about certain things that matter to me. And so they're kind of in like a, a, a what, a party of one or something like that right right now, which is, is kind of silly to think about given some of the people involved in BSV. 
that it's a party of one, but it is right now. As, as, as far as, as long as everybody else just leaves this to them, then they're, they don't really have much competition, but I still just, I want to see something really serious being made before I, you know, get too hyped. Um, and one app is not it. Like I really like what the Twitch guys are doing. I think they're like legit. They're really good marketers. I, I, I've talked to several of them. I think they're very intelligent guys. I think they know what they're doing. And I actually think they built a product that looks like a mainstream product. No, I mean, it's legitimately the only consumer facing product on any crypto that I've experienced that is actually the quality that yeah. a consumer facing product needs to be. Yeah. But then looking at that and expecting like, that's going to be the thing that makes BSV like, no, it's, it, that's just one thing among many things that would be needed. So it's important not to see those one those those one off things. It's like, oh, this is a, a, an example of health. It's like, well, it, it's something, but it's not everything. So it, here, are like a couple of hopeful perspectives, I I'd say, because I, I I do acknowledge that as as totally valid. I think maybe where I differ from you guys is I'm not I haven't been around long enough to be affected by the fatigue. So like you guys have like two more years of broken promises that I <laughs> that I have. You know what I mean? Two more years of like hyped expectations that just weren't met. You've been a part of that Bitcoin journey of this really awesome, hopeful tool being introduced to the world and then just sting it, get co-opted and hijacked or whatever. And it makes sense, right? It, 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 it makes sense how you can just kind of be like, you know what? I don't want to hear any more talk. Just like call me up when you're done and you've actually created something. But from the perspective of, of a noob, it's like BSV, like we've, we've only had about a year to see what Bitcoin can really do at scale. And, and we barely had that, right? Because there's a lot of work that had to be done to undo all of the crap that had been done to it to even put Bitcoin in a position where what Satoshi described is really possible. We can actually try it out. Case could be made that, that we've only had about six months to even witness that. And so in that context, man, a lot has been accomplished. Even with the uh, like 400 apps on uh, Peer Game. Apps. Yeah, right. Even if, even if only 40, or let's say even four of those, are, are, are the real deal and are useful, there is a sense in which that's a positive sign. Because at the first stage of something valuable coming into existence, you would expect the least competent but really enthusiastic people to like throw themselves into it and try to tinker it and like create a bunch of stuff. The real best entrepreneurs and innovators aren't fooling around with this yet, right? Yeah. Th these are like the earliest people. Like this is the worst it's going to get. And the fact that we have so much crap being tried is an indication that this really is a play space where we can experiment and tinker and try stuff. The fact that we yeah. can even create a video game that no one wants to play that isn't that good that's amazing, you know. TK, I don't disagree with any of that, and I'm I'm more hopeful on BSV than any any project yeah. out there. And I think it's in a position yeah. to do a lot of cool things. My my thing is not do less stupid apps. Oh, your app is stupid or whatever. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. It's don't lie and don't out hype <laughs> your production. Don't yeah. go out there like you see the best companies in in the consumer startup space. They're like super transparent. They'll be on Twitter like. Hey guys, you know, even if they're talking about something that they're about to ship, thinking about whether we should ship this or not, I don't know. Like, let us know what you think. They're they're very humble about it. And like 
very transparent about where it stands and very realistic. I would rather see an announcement, look at how exciting VSV is. Here are the 20 projects. And even if they're small projects, they're actually real. They legitimately have a website. They're not listed twice. They weren't abandoned three months ago. Like, just be real about it and have some humility, excitement about where it can go, but realism about where it is now. Because when you do that, I think you make it worse and you drive momentum in the other direction. You can get away without hyping yourself, just like an individual. You can overhype your bio early in your career and get away with it as long as you can catch up to that bio pretty quickly. Once you're like mid-career or beyond, it's too late for that shit. Like if you can't live up to it, you've got a ceiling and you've already hit it. And I feel like BSV, even though it's technically young, it's in the adolescent phase now where you can't, you can't lie and hype like that anymore without causing actual damage to, to your end goals. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think when someone credible looks at that and they, they do any, even the most basic investigation, it's like, this is like, like the reason I, I even started this process of investigating this was because I saw someone share it in response to uh, uh, Tyler or Cameron Winklevoss on Twitter. Because one of them said something about Craig and the guy was like, look at all the stuff BSV is doing. You don't have a clue. First off, this is a guy who's, who's been an entrepreneur, you know, several times who, who, you know, owns a lot of Bitcoin, owns one of the biggest Bitcoin exchanges in the world, lots of other stuff, right? Has had his hand in a lot of stuff. He's not going to be fooled by crap like that. You know, he's going to look at stuff like that and think, if this is being shared by important people in BSV, then I want nothing to do with that. That's, that's what I would look at. And, and, and I even found myself as I'm going through this list, I'm like, I'm like, man, I should just... I should just go buy gold <laughs> and be done with it. You know, it's, it's like if you're a podcast host and somebody's like, "Hey, you need to interview my friend. He's super legit." And then you go to his bio, and it's like, consultant to many high-powered executives, yeah. life coach to future billionaire. And you start looking, you're like, each of these items is just all bullshit, right? You're 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 pissed off, and you're less likely to follow up than if they just said, "Hey, my friend is a pretty cool guy. He's trying to self-publish his first book," and just don't lie about the shit. You know? Yeah. I think being honest and acknowledging like that, the, the proof of concept hacker status of a lot of these projects is actually the way to do it. And that's actually kind of fun and exciting because I, I do acknowledge there's like, even in stuff that's no longer live, they did prove that like something was possible on the chain, right? And there were some cool things. I mean, I was playing Tetris on the Bitcoin SV blockchain uh, the other day, which is kind of fun. You know, it's just kind of cool to see that that kind of stuff can actually be put inside the chain in a series of transactions. To me, that's, 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 that's fun stuff that demonstrates that there is a lot bigger possibilities than, uh, but you know, when, you're, when you're having a list that has a bunch of dead links and a bunch of stuff that doesn't exist or a bunch of stuff that should never be included on a list like that. All right, so, so, so a question for you guys, because you're just trying to argue for your inclusion on the list of BSV projects. Right, right. right. I, I well, you would be a, 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 far, far above most of the stuff. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't take what you guys are doing as like hating or being unfair or anything like that. I'm, I'm just volleying with you. I, I think, I think, I, you know, so it's kind of hard to talk about like the community, right? And we've all, we all share this view that the community is just like a bunch of individuals who might support the same thing, but there's no like monolithic thing. And you've got people like Unwriter who seems to never announce anything until it's done. And then you've got twitch that they'll announce something and then they'll deliver it and do it and be above expectation and then you've got a lot of people out there who aren't building aren't doing anything and they're just hyping everything that's got sv attached to it because they're like super enthusiastic about something they want to win 
and, and and there's arguably more of that than some of that legitimate sounding stuff. A case could be made without defending that though. A case could be made is that when you are in a kind of minority position, despised position, that being part of the conversation involves involves some hype. You know, um, I, I, okay. I, I, there's I, different. I, than I don't hype know, man. There's a difference between hype and lying. I mean, right, like it, it can be said. It's like <laughs> it's like growing up in the church, right? Where Christians would be like, "Hey, you can't ignore us in the entertainment space. We got Kurt Cameron now." It's like, <laughs> oh god, that's just there sad. Is, it's there sad. is dishonesty in some of the marketing, not just hype. Like so I'm all about marketing. What the example of like the dishonesty you say? Listing a bunch of stuff that has dead links is dishonest. That's not honest to continue posting that stuff, and it's been it's been doing it for months. That's I not. Remember- Honest behavior. Near, near the, this happened months and months ago, but before I was on the BSV bandwagon, I think I was talking to some of you. I don't know. I don't exactly remember the circumstance, but, you're, but you were persuading me to check out BSV more. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm looking for a wallet. And somebody suggested, oh, if you go to the subreddit, you'll see on the sidebar, there's a bunch of links. You can check them out there. So I did that. And half the links were broken. They were dead projects. They were sketchy looking projects. And I was like, okay, my suspicions that BSV is uh, a little bit bullshit going on here are, are confirmed by this. That doesn't help. Yeah. Hey, so, so, so let, let me say two things about that really quickly. First, I think the person who sent you that link, although they shouldn't have done it and although they should have done something better, probably sent it to you because they legitimately believed that it would point you to the wallets yeah. you were looking for. Right. And I think that's different from being dishonest. I think it can be pointed out that someone has areas where they need to improve their marketing or their competence without saying, Hey, they were trying to deceive you. I don't think that well, I'm, not, I'm not saying the person who referred me was trying to deceive me. I'm saying the person who assembled the links in the first place, or in Derek's case, the person that assembled this graph together. I, I, it sounds like they're being dishonest if they're putting things in there twice. Yeah. Well, if you're not, if you're not updating it regularly, it's one thing. Like if you make a list and then you don't really change it ever again, you don't hype the list over and over again. That's one thing, right? Cause you know, you can't always, you can't continue to update stuff necessarily. Maybe it's hard or maybe you just lose interest. But if you are regularly adding stuff to a list in which most of the stuff or a, a sizable portion of stuff is either broken or listed twice or uh, labeled in such a way that, that it's overhyped, it, that's that's dishonest, and I and, and not only is the list, but I go to the, some of the apps. So one one app I went to says the most popular blockchain photo app in the world, right? And so I go click, and it's in beta. I have to actually download a For special sure. software on my phone in order to even try it, you know. And, and there's a lot of examples like that, and, and 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 these things are being shared as evidence of things that have been made. And so then I go click, and it says like we're in pre-alpha. You can't even try it. Those right, I, 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 I won't dispute that, man. There, there's a lot of overhype. Let me just concede that. Here, here, here's that other point that I wanted to make that I, that I think is, is kind of brings back to like what we're excited about with the transaction processing thing. I, I think there, there's something here, like, like the concern about this sort of thing. I think in a sense, it arises out of the very perspective or approach for adopting that's, that's now becoming old school. So before, when, when, when we had conversations about how do we achieve global adoption, the first level was we got to make this user friendly for the average person. My grandma can't use these darn Bitcoin wallets. Like, where do I go to be able to buy Bitcoin when it's so complicated and hard? And so 
we have that as a constraint. Like, when are we going to get that right? We're going to make it user-friendly to buy and spend in five years? Who knows? Then the second level of concern was we need some killer apps. We need some video games or some services that we can put on the blockchain and it'll make people want to like buy Bitcoin and start using it or whatever. So even if we do have the, 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 the difficult wallets and all that kind of stuff, people will be highly motivated. And I think what we're seeing now is a sort of third level of the game that doesn't require those first two problems to be solved at all, or at least in the short term. The third level of the game is this. Let's do business with people in the real world using whatever currency they're comfortable with, and let's not require them to learn anything whatsoever about the mechanics of the blockchain apart from the features that are useful to them. And we will be free to educate them as much as they need to be in order to address their concerns. But now it's just like doing business in the real world. It's just like selling a car. You know, like, here are the features. Here are the benefits. We can talk about what's under the hood, but you don't need to know anything about that in order to get in this car and drive today. No, and I, I think... I love that, TK. That's what gets me excited about the SV strategy. They're the only ones making that strategy. My my contention is that you're at the point where we know that's your strategy. You've said it. You've announced various examples. Now, don't make any more announcements. Let the next announcement be, hey, did anybody notice that the number of transactions tripled last month? You want to know why? It's because we've got this enterprise using it now. And it's already happened. Let that, your credibility will skyrocket if you do that even just once, once or twice. The announcements in, in a way to spot a startup that I would not want to invest in is when you go to their homepage and the first thing they talk about is partnerships used by companies like X. Look at all the partners we've stacked up. A lot of founders, and I have been tempted to do this and I have fallen into this early in, in my startup journey. They'll go stack their advisory board with big names. They'll go stack partnerships with companies and they look for partners as the win and announcing the partners as the thing that's going to propel them and give them momentum. And it never does. I have never seen that work ever. And so it gives you a little bump in the, in, in the beginning, but almost always that bump you got in the beginning comes at a cost because now your expectations are way the hell up here. And you are never going to get there quick enough. And so it, it's so much better. I just, I love the strategy, but I, I think it's so detrimental to make an announcement. It sounds like the Lightning Network shit, unless the actual data is going to be seen on chain like today. Now we're in a different ballgame. This is a big boy ballgame. Go do it in stealth and let everybody come to you banging down your door saying, Enchain, miners, why are there so many transactions now? What's happening? Who's using it? Oh, no big deal. We just got this new uh, website that has 2 million you know, users that are doing it every yeah. day. Like that's the shit that makes you legit. And real, real B2B, because like I, I agree with you, TK, that we could be entering and the idea would be to enter a new phase where you've got like B2B businesses doing like high volume stuff and they're just ignoring all the, the small people on Twitter. But, but right now what I see is, is pandering to the, the Twitterati sort of SV cult and um, I don't think real B2B businesses that are serious ever announce that kind of stuff. A lot of the deals are just done. They're just done. Like, 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 like you, don't, you don't see those kind of big releases being done in the real world. Generally. Yeah, it's not like the, you know, 
the bumfuck county sheriff's department is now switching to android for instead of iphone for all yeah. of the sheriffs and they do a press conference with android like you don't see that stuff they just make a business decision in the acquisitions department yep. yeah you, you know like 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 the like the press release you guys mentioned earlier where like calvin and in chain or something like that like i'll be the first to say i'm not impressed or excited about that kind of stuff like you know um it, it means absolutely nothing to to me and i think it shouldn't mean anything to any of us right but it's almost concerning it makes me it makes me wonder if this is all fake than when i see that yeah stuff. that's that's the concern is because they're focused when you're fo- if they're focusing on that like it's not so, so, so that's my objection though because i I'm I'm not where I don't agree with you guys. I agree with you guys at the level of this doesn't seem to be this announcement doesn't mean anything unless you deliver. But do you think where it's you don't that, think that it's, it's actually negative. hurting them? You don't I, think it's I, hurting I, them. I, I, and, and what I'm saying is that like time will tell on that. It could be the case that it's hurting them, but it could be the case that we're evaluating this through the old lens. It definitely hurts them. Like think about it this way: if you're someone who for you, the reason you want this knowledge is because it allows you to make better, like speculative decisions. Then, of course, that should frustrate the hell out of you, right? Because as a speculator, you will be just so much better off if the people you're trying to speculate on give you accurate and thorough information. So it's immensely frustrating. So to that crowd, to exchanges, to everybody who wants to know what the heck are you thinking, Craig? It's immensely frustrating. But is it hurting them in terms of the people that they're trying to do business with? I don't know. I don't know. Time, time may tell us that it has, but time may tell us that, man, these guys were doing their thing and ignoring the crowd that didn't If matter. I were running a large enterprise that had data needs and, and they approached me and I went and looked them up and I didn't see any press releases or anything like this, I'd be like, all right, whatever, let's, let's hear them out. If I went and looked them up and saw that every couple months, they announced some huge thing and none of them have come to pass, that would make me much less likely. I would think that they're, they're looking to get another PR hit and that they don't follow up on stuff. I mean, so, I don't know, so, Steve, Steve, yeah. you are the absolute master of hype of everybody. I know you are an absolute yeah, hype machine. So I me. want your take on this. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of which everybody should see, I'm wearing a math shirt. It's a joke. It says, this is a circle. Right, We're gonna get so, so many anybody, hateful comments now. That's part of my hype train is I hey, wear math jokes on my t-shirt. If you sell those for BSV, you can be project number 401. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I want to I give an old, old school perspective here. So I'm still not totally sold on the MetaNet. I think it's brilliant, at least as a gimmick. Yeah. Um, and it could have some real, real powerful um, utility in the future. We'll see. I, I still see the clear-cut superior use case of Bitcoin technology being transactions being used as money yeah. as it used to be. So BSV is in this really weird position um, from my perspective where it's like, wow, this might be the best money in the world. And the thing that distinguishes it from all the other cryptocurrencies is capacity. H- how do you, h- that's a hard, a hard sell to get people to say, no, no, really it is the best money out there because look at all the capacity that we have. It makes sense to me that a strategy to try to demonstrate that is have a bunch of kind of gimmicky projects that are using the blockchain in ways that aren't actually creating that much utility, but they're storing data maybe unnecessarily on there just to pump up the size of the blocks to try to signal that actually, yes, we really do have this amazing capacity for scaling and being used as it's supposed to be used as digital currency. 
Yeah, I agree. I think I think weather SV and these kind of things are are basically just proof that you can do it. And everyone laughs at it, but it's like, yeah, but they had a huge block. I mean, that's pretty cool. And everyone said that was impossible, right? Right. So, so what do you do then when the real... See, that's the kind of hype that I like. Do anything you can to make the actual blocks big. I don't care. Somebody yeah. had to pay for them. So to me, it's legit. That's cool hype. Look at we just mined a massive block and people will laugh and say, but it's not real. But the block is real and that signals something to the market. I like that kind of hype. If you announce that we're going to mine a big block and you never do, well, that's some shit. That's true, but I, I kind of understand TK's perspective here, even though I, I personally despise the, the lying and the misleading. The fact of the hype, it kind of makes sense that this is, if capacity is the thing that you're signaling, then you kind of got to do what you can do to maybe artificially pump up those numbers for some period of time to demonstrate that the capacity is there, yeah. even if it's more hype than, than real usage. Yeah, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like if, if the press release causes more transactions to occur yeah then sure but if it if it doesn't then i think it can be it can be counterproductive right like there's different kinds of hype and that's where proof of work hype that requires skin in the game a costly signal it's free to issue a press release it's the least costly signal imaginable instead of issuing a press release be like hey we're running a test with this company where today we're going to do a million transactions for them as a test, we're losing money on it, but we want to show them what we can do. And then you actually see it. And there, you know, like there's different kinds of hype and, and I don't know, I've just, we're, we're, we're to the point where I, I think it's counterproductive at this point. But I so, Steve, I, I agree with you that I, I'm more excited about cash use case than anything else. I've always been, you know, and, and um, my question is like, uh, as a minority chain in particular, I think, right, you need, I mean, in order to, to make money off transaction fees, like you need a, a, a low cost, you need a lot of transactions. Like how within any reasonable amount of time are we going to get that through cash use case, right? And then, I mean, I just don't see it happening. That's one of the, the reasons I've been, I've been kind of frustrated with BCH is I don't see a strategy for them to making mineable, mining profitable in, in, in the, the next a- several years. It's a reverse in order of, of where in the, in the process this happens, I think. The BSV idea, or at least as I envision it, is make this thing a useful commodity in and of itself as a, as a way to do data. And when that happens, that will have proven the scale, the use, and you will have an, a value to the token because kind of like Ethereum yeah. says, it's like gas on the network or whatever. The token has value because of this use. Now it can more easily be bootstrapped into money for a larger number of people. Whereas BCH is like, use our money instead of old money right now and just trying to directly make the money use case. And I used to value that, but I don't, I agree. I yeah. think that can win now. But I want, I, I want to see like a, 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 something that like strikes me as like, this is like immensely valuable. That's, that's not just announced, but that's actually happening because like, it's cool to see Tetris on the blockchain, but you know, I mean, I don't need to go to the blockchain to use Tetris. I see no particular reason that Tetris should be on the blockchain as opposed to something else, right? If it, if it signals that nerds are so excited about it, they're playing around and building apps on it, that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it signals that nothing else is happening, so Enchain is funding a bunch of fake things to make it look like something's happening, that would be a bad sign. And you don't always know the difference. Yeah. You know what? When I first heard the announcement for EHR data, I was more annoyed than I was happy. Because as a supporter of BSV, it just puts me in the position of being highly vulnerable to the objection of, oh, yeah, you guys got something else that 
you can look for it to the future to do, right? I mean, that's what it means to be a BSV supporter, right? Like, oh, Craig and Calvin, man, they're going to do something in the future that'll be really amazing. And I was annoyed because there was this huge, awesome announcement, which if it actually happens, would be a massive advantage. And at the same time, there's like no date when it's going to happen. Even if there is a date when it's going to happen, it's just going to get lumped in with all the other past dates that everybody associates with BSV making promises, right? So I was actually annoyed more than I was excited. And I kind of felt like, oh, okay, like this is really cool, but it's just another thing that has to happen. But that's my perspective in terms of like how much easier or how much more difficult that makes my life based on kind of like my needs and what I want to have and stuff and so forth. But from the standpoint of Bitcoin SV, is there any loss in that? I don't think so. Like EHR data announced it on their end and they seem to be strong with that. You know, uh, chain announced it on their end. It might be like another year. Like who's harmed besides like the speculators who really want that knowledge. Besides the, well, I wouldn't use speculate besides the investors who are like the most important, one of the most important parts of, of Bitcoin. I mean, the or investors other, are. Or other businesses. Like right. I said, like, I, I, I'm, I, you know, if I look at a company that has a track record of announcements that they don't back up, I don't want to take that meeting now. I think from, so I, I, I think a distinction has to be made though, because there's a lot of stuff that gets lost in the blob with BSV sort of like the Craig Wright price prediction, you know, um, you know, the, 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 that violation. can still happen too. If we do like a Martian calendar, <laughs> yeah. that's what he meant. Or Pluto. Like, <laughs> so, so you take something like that, you take the threats that, Oh, going to sue Adam back or whatever. And then it kind of gets blurred. It's like, Oh man, BSV is always making these promises never coming through. But in terms of like the upgrades, the roadmaps, there's been a ton of yeah. stuff. I, w- I would say literally all the stuff that actually matters BSV has been like delivering and like so much better than everyone else. Like it, it's not like with Genesis upgrade or something, there's an announcement like, Oh, <laughs> sorry, because the court case guys, this will be indefinitely extended to the future. Like, no, they actually deliver on a lot of stuff and there's a lot that gets lumped into it. But I, I think going back to the example I gave, I can't imagine another business being dissuaded from BSV because they see the announcement. They see EHR saying, we're going to do this. They see BS in chain saying we're going to do this. We have an agreement, and then they go, "Oh well, this seems sketchy to me." I, I think they may say, "Wait and see," like the way we're doing. But I don't, I don't think it hurts them actually. Yeah, I, I don't think the EHR um, press release hurt them at all. I think that was the most important yeah. announcement that they've made because, in my mind, and I think a lot of other people's mind, they weren't even to the the table of credibility yet. Yeah, like, there was exactly zero. Uh, official like legit established companies take having any interest whatsoever in bsb so that one i think was at least was, in terms was of landmark well, right right yeah. i think that one was a was a was landmark but but you're but you're playing with fire you do that a couple yeah. times and it's very beneficial and then the benefit diminishes quickly and then it goes negative pretty quickly well yeah and you also run the risk if the ehr thing falls through well, that would be devastating. That would absolutely be devastating. You're then you're kind of you're below square one. So yeah, that's the thing too. Even if you get a benefit right now by announcing, I think you have a huge opportunity cost because if you compare it to the benefit you could have gotten for waiting and announcing it only after it's actually happened, I think that benefit is so high in terms of long-term credibility. Now, I, I agree early on, if you're not a player, having one or two of those can give you that bump. 
but then leave it alone and let your next announcement be when you've actually already done it. And the benefit is going to be three times as great. That's a big opportunity cost to give up just to get that near-term bump. And that's, and again, I don't know what all is happening out there, but I just, I think we're right at that edge where the returns are starting to get to the danger territory from a strategic standpoint. You know, I, I think if I'm like in a position where like, let's say I'm, let, let's say I want to make a movie and, and I need to have five Hollywood stars in this movie. And I got four of them right here, the numpties. (laughs) (laughs) And I managed to get Leonardo DiCaprio to say, I'm on board. I'm not going to wait until that movie's made precisely because I know he might change his mind. There's no way I'm waiting until that movie's made before I announce it. I'm announcing that day one and I'm announcing it every day because the hype that I can create around Leo saying I'm on is going to make it even easier for me to get the other four actors I need, especially if Leo is willing to go public and say, I'm working with TK on his movie. Like yeah, but, the fact but, that he could change his mind is exactly what's going to cause me to talk really loudly every day. Unless, but that, become, but that becomes the fire festival quickly if you're not careful. Yeah. So like what happens then? But it's if also you, if, how every if, Hollywood movie is made too. All the ones that work and do well. That's also from the, from the production companies that have a, tr- a costly track record of making good on those things. But even the new ones who actually make a project that succeed, all the movies that succeed and fail alike are quick to announce the good news about who's on. Right, right. Yeah, but, but what if- But if you keep if, announcing more, more actors <laughs> for 18 months straight and nothing ever happens, that starts to hurt you. Each additional announcement starts to become a laughing stock. Yeah, right. You, you gotta- Damn it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna interrupt. Let us do. That's cool because I'm always interrupting people. So I, it's nice that I, that I had to. Uh, I was interrupted. That's great. Um, I'm gonna get you later, Isaac. <laughs> bunch of numpties. No. Uh, you got so I like the director analogy, right? But you got to deliver. Like, imagine TK, you you make those those announcements, and then the person withdraws because they're like, you know, actually, I can't work with TK. There's it didn't work out. You know, it wasn't quite the right dynamic. And you go, and then you know, six months later, oh, I'm doing this next one, and we got another big star, Bruce Willis. He's going to do the thing, and oh wow, that's really exciting. And then the exact same thing happens. There's no movie, or the movie that comes out fails. It doesn't deliver, and then people kind of shit talk you. You know, because um, Bruce was like, yeah, I couldn't actually work with TK. The personality thing didn't work. Like over and over, you're, eventually people are going to stop listening for good reason. In startups, you do not announce term sheets. You announce when the check is actually in the bank. Very, very, very dangerous to, to go early. TK, you want to defend the hype one more time? Because then I want to <laughs> this out. I'm not defending the hype. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you that there is a, that there is a risk, right? And it, it's Let hard me to be know abundantly this clear. <laughs> Let me be abundantly clear. It, it's, hard, it's hard to know, I think, this early on, if we're looking at a costly signal or if we're looking at a lack of intelligence about when to make announcements. But we're certainly going to know with time, right? Watching, watching the Last Dance documentary right now, one of the things I loved about Jordan was before they won a championship. During the time in his career where people said he's a great individual talent, but he's not good enough to elevate a team to win, he said that's what he was going to do. And he announced it well in advance of his ability to actually make it happen. And when he made it happen, he kept doing it, right? He kept saying, we're going to return again. Destiny's going to return for the fourth time. We're coming back and we're winning this year and so forth. And what, what separates that costly signal 
from a bluff. It's the willingness to back it up. If Jordan happened to have lost, he would look really bad. It's not what, the if he, willingness what if Jordan had lost all his court cases? Yeah, it's not the willingness to back it up. It's the backing it up. No, no, it, 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 it's, it's I, I, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like the ability to back it up as substantiated by actual results. So sticking with my Jordan analogy, if Jordan didn't win those championships, he would have looked bad and we talk about him in a different way. What the if Jordan had made a bunch of other promises? Like he made like a ton of other hurt, irrelevant uh, promises. What did LeBron say? Not six, not seven, not eight. And he didn't do any of that shit. What if, people still <laughs> praise him. What if Jordan had said like, oh, and by the way, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to do this to this guy and this to this guy. In addition, yeah. And maybe he goes on and eventually wins the championships. But like his credibility would be hurt if in that whole process, he kept losing every other promise he made. What if, what if he claimed that he invented the jump shot and that he was the <laughs> one that put the peach basket in the gym Back in the <laughs> well, him and his dead partner. Yeah. But, but, but this brings back to an earlier question, you know, from our, from our previous discussions, and that's this. For me, the important question is not, is CSW right? Or is CSW wrong about X? It's, is he right about the things he needs to be right about in order for BSB to succeed? I don't think every incorrect prediction is, is equally important. And, and I actually think the people who matter can recognize that. If, if this weren't true, controversial figures would never be able to build successful business empires. But we've, we all have examples of people that successfully negotiated deals and they're hated by like half the people in the country because they've, they've just got all this controversy surrounding them. So I agree that when it comes to making price predictions or legal threats, in the eyes of most people, Craig Wright has zero credibility. Uh, and, and maybe he'll back one of these threats up in the future, but we can't expect anybody to take it seriously if he comes out and says, Bitcoin's gonna be worth this much. Because he shredded his credibility with that, and now he's put himself in the position where he must deliver before he's taken seriously. I think in terms of the roadmap though, on the technical side, or in terms of business development, I don't think BSV has that track record of making promises and not delivering. I think it's important to keep those two things separate. Okay, the court case. We got to finish up on this. So <laughs> this is some crazy, crazy stuff. So there was this uh, this like telehearing because of COVID. And somebody shared, there's was like a public number. The public yeah. can call in. So I called in the number at the time. And I'm like on this conference. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, uh, so we're all here. Uh, looks like we've got some... Looks like we've got some uh, some imposters invading our call. Let's just go ahead and read off the numbers uh, that are on the call and everyone say your name. And I was like, oh, crap. So I hung up. But in this call, the transcript or whatever. You should have said Dave Kleiman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want to get yourself killed. <laughs> um, but like this call, the whole point of it was like, hey, there's this third person that's been called into the court case and their lawyer was, whoever this third person is, they have a lawyer representing them that was saying, everybody on this call, look at this email I'm forwarding you. Have you all seen it? Okay, given this email and given that we know people have been killed in Bitcoin and my client faces genuine threats of murder, we need to keep my client confidential and make their contribution to this court case off the record. And then later the judge basically granted that. Is that correct? That, well, that, that, that's that, that's correct enough. It, it was initially in the call. 
a lawyer that wasn't representing the mysterious third client requested that the call just be ended now in exchange for doing a sidebar because he just received an email. Which lawyer was that? Was that Kleiman's lawyer? Maybe it was a guy. I don't know who he represented. I just what know was the name. Do you remember what the name was? I don't. I don't know the name of that lawyer. I. I. I have to look it up. Was but it Roche? Roche Freedom or? I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But whoever this lawyer is, I know for sure this was not a lawyer representing the mysterious third party. Yeah. So. So the. So and, and this was a male voice. So th- this guy, you know, requests that we immediately sidebar, right? And. And they're like, over what? Like, like, what is it? And he's like, once you look at this email, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so he's basically like, I'm going to, I'm going to email it to you and I'll CC all the other counsel. And once you guys see this, you'll know what I'm talking about. And you'll see how important it is to stop right now and have a sidebar. So as he's doing that, the judge is like, all right, let me hear from the rest of you. And then there's a female voice who is representing the mysterious third party. And she says, essentially, we all know Bitcoin is a world unto itself and it can be a very dangerous world. We know that by revealing the identity of my client, we know there are documented cases of people being murdered, of people being, you know, you know, you know, extortion and all this kind of stuff. And you're putting my client in danger and like she's fighting like hell to keep the identity of her client secret. And then as this is happening, she stops and says, I just saw this email that came from counsel and I am appalled. I am appalled by what I'm looking at. And so at that point, the judge is basically like, all right, we're going to sidebar and, you know, we're going to end this call. We're going to have another one about this email and I'm going to record it. And then I'll decide if that should be played for the public, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So they end the call. And then uh, just yesterday or today, the court released the latest document where they said um, the identity of this person is is not going to be revealed. They're going to and keep now the all. case is pushed to like July fifth or something like that. You're right at the end of June. Like, like right June. The, yeah. and they have to let the court know by July third if they settle it out of court, which would be hilarious if they actually did that. This is you can't make this stuff up. It's yeah, crazy. It's, I feel like it's about who the third person is. Who is this person? And by the way, I think they said this person has no like no interest on either side. Like, like, like they just don't want to be involved with this at all. Like, who could that be? It can't, no it can't be Jimmy Wynn. That can't be Andreas Antonopoulos. It can't be anybody we already know, Adam Back or any of these people, right? Oh, yeah, Jimmy got subpoenaed finally, too. And I think he's going to have to go. Uh, he got um, subpoenaed <laughs> via Twitter, right? Yeah, well, because they said, they, they said that I was legitimate. <laughs> um. That whole thing was just hilarious. I can't believe they actually did that. Yeah, but it was, so was it's like, true. Like, it, I didn't get the impression he was hiding because there, there was a news article said Jimmy Wynn like cannot be tracked down. I'm like, I just saw the guy like in person. <laughs> you know. All so, right, we're gonna we're gonna have to come back when we have more on this court case because this is literally the most insanely bizarre and entertaining uh, saga to follow. Have you guys watched Tiger King yet? Only a, only a couple. Yeah, uh, I, only the first episode. I haven't, but I've, I've just heard people saying how zany it is. I feel like there needs to be a Craig Wright Netflix movie, like on the level of Tiger King, that would just be like it'd be like a global global trending show because it'd just be so crazy. See, that's the chance right there. BSV as the as the 
minority competitor, just like the XFL is trying to compete with the NFL, the XFL missed their chance when the whole world shut down for COVID. They should have been like, we are not shutting down. The XFL will be the only sport playing and make them come arrest us or whatever. That's your chance. BSV has to do something that nobody else can do. That's, you know, that's crazy and, and go out there and uh, seize the momentum. All right, guys. Hey, this is awesome. Be something as massive as a rolling iceberg. You know what I mean? Yes, there we go. A rolling <laughs> iceberg. Derek keeps warning us about his rolling iceberg trades on various forks. So yep. At, rolling iceberg every, guys what every day. If, if you see some major whale action, don't say we didn't warn you in either direction on any chain. So we can't be wrong. For the next 15 years. <laughs> that was me. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I'm going to get this baby wrapped up and we'll post it until next time. All right. Thanks, guys.